Nevada County announced this week that a new health officer has been hired. Her name is Dr. Sherilyn Cook, and she starts on January 1, 2022. She will replace outgoing health officer Dr. Scott Kellerman, who I now have the pleasure of speaking with. Dr. Kellerman, thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Claudio. It's been an interesting year, and one of the joys is getting to know you. Thanks. Thank you. I have a lot of questions, so I'm going to get right into it. First, why are you leaving? Well, when I was hired, um, I was hired for a year. That was it. I was interim. So I was you know, actually working at a, at a reasonably full-time position, but my tenure was just for a year. So the idea was that they, toward the end of this, this year, they would do a search process to find a replacement that would be permanent, somebody who's willing to um, assume the role of public health officer and do it on a, on a regular basis, longitudinally for several years, which is really what this county needs. So I served my term, and it was a good term, and I enjoyed it immensely. There were some challenges along the way, but I enjoyed it immensely, but my term's over. And I'm moving on to other things right now and making the way for Dr. Cook to come in and, and replace me. And I would have to say that uh, public health and the board has chosen well. She's a good fit. I've heard whispers that Dr. Cook isn't going to live here. You live here and have lived here for some time. Do you think that her not residing in this county will affect her ability to do the job? That's a hard question. I, I think she has to get to know the county and she's agreed to do that. She will be coming up here. Um, on a regular basis into the county. I'm not convinced you have to live in the county in order to um, discharge the duty. Uh, Dr. Rick Johnson, the one who preceded me, uh, was from Alpine County, and he he um, he did his job remotely. I, I think serving the county remotely will be a challenge, and uh, from what I understand, Dr. Cook is, is willing to come up here on a regular basis to get to know people. You have to get to know people in order to... Um, know what, how, what makes the county tick, and then how you can approach it in a way that brings um, public health is essentially bringing health to the public. And if you don't know the public, it would be difficult. And she's agreed to do that. She will get to know this county and the people. I know that you are generally a very upbeat person, and I've never heard you complain about anything. But I have to ask, were there any parts of the job that were difficult? Uh, asking hard questions here, Claudio, and the answer is yes, it's been tough. Now, it's not like I haven't dealt with hard times. When I worked in, over in Uganda, I, we deal with people, um, with rebel groups who've committed crimes against uh, humanity, and we're able to sit down over a cup of tea and talk about commonalities. Um, we deal with Abafumu, traditional healers. Some people call them witch doctors and find commonality, uh, a harder side in sub-Saharan Africa, I've been beaten and left for dead. And But these are clear and present dangers. And here, the, the harder the challenges have been more subtle. And it's been, it's been hard on the soul. Some of the, there's never been any credible threats, but there's been kind of, you know, we know where you live and um, we're going to be watching you and things like that that have been very difficult. And Claudia, you and I have talked uh, a lot of public health is you have to keep an open heart and keep an open mind and you don't want to close it up simply because you're getting emails or you're getting phone calls that are um, kind of hard on your heart. Um, and that has been one of the more difficult parts of my job. I've heard that people have showed up at your home 
banging pots and pans in the middle of the night, hoping to keep you from sleeping. Is there any truth to that? It's kind of a half-truth, uh, because they didn't actually, they got the address wrong and went down, um, and it was a neighbor's house who has a relationship with law enforcement. So I don't think the pot banging lasted very long. Has anyone ever threatened your life for the job that you're doing? No, there's been no credible threat, nothing that should be reported. It's just this constant, you know, the subtleties that have been the hardest thing to deal with it, um, you know, and just questioning where, you know, I think we should have dialogue and we're not. And, um, and how do you disagree without being disagreeable? And I think sometimes we have a hard time with that distinction. I don't mind people disagreeing with, with me. Certainly working in Africa is a whole different language, custom, tradition. And I roughly trod over all, a lot of traditions. And, and yet people are willing to cut slack and, and recognize that you're a fellow human being and, and are willing to engage in dialogue. I just, um, and I don't mind the disagreement. I, I do mind uh, being disagreeable. And it's not part of my nature, and I feel like it's not the nature of the people that are disagreeing with me either. I think it's, I think it's a hard way to go is, is to be disagreeable. You've mentioned in the past that you've been able to sit down with Native doctors in Africa, and despite having differences, you've been able to share a cup of tea and come together, in a sense. Have you been able to do something equivalent to that with mask mandate opponents or vaccine opponents here in this county? It's been a challenge, and I've said I've been willing to meet with um, my detractors and the people who take an opposing position. But the way I was able to do it in Africa, and and I think they're more willing to do it, is um, we'll say we've got some issues that we disagree on. It's really obvious. Um, But can we just meet and get to know each other? And we'll put the issues off to the side. And we will have multiple meetings where we'll... Uh, sit down and maybe break bread together and have a cup of tea together. And then um, and then we'll, uh, drums will come out and we'll do a little dancing together and then we'll sit down. And if somebody has raised an issue previously and after kind of breaking bread together, singing and dancing, I remember one meeting where one of the Abafumu traditional heroes says, what were we, what were we arguing about? And, you know, and, and so he thought for a while, we cannot remember. We cannot remember what we disagreed about. And that's what we ought to be. And I think people, once they generally get to know each other, even though you have maybe different political persuasions or different medical approaches, that we have far more in common than we have uncommon. And we can, we can work from the commonalities to solve uh, the things we disagree on. Have you ever been face-to-face with someone who was upset, who thought that perhaps you were the source of their problems and been able to say, hey, let's talk, and has anyone ever taken you up on that? I've had the opportunity, and there have been no takers, because my, my presupposition is we have to get to know each other and realize that we both, I would imagine, and I factly know that the people who have um, been my greatest detractors, they care about the county. They care about their families. They care about the health. Uh, they may have different uh, approaches uh, to treatment, and they may have different approaches to prevention. But we start with a commonality of interest, 
And then how do we support this county and protect the health of this county? And how do we do it collaboratively? Uh, sadly, I've had no real takers. I have had some people in in government positions that I think polit politically we may disagree. And, and I have to say that um, we've become friends. And I have to say on the positive side that I did not understand government. I've never been part of government. I've always been privately employed, run my own medical practice, you know, kind of built a hospital in Africa and I've never really worked with government. And that's been an eye-opener for me. And the main eye-opener is what really was a pleasant surprise is how hard these people are working and how their hearts are into this community and how they're willing to work long hours under incredibly adverse circumstances to support this community. And even though they may be politically not in line with the way I believe, but heart-wise, they really care for the community and they're giving it their all. So that's been a learning curve for me, and, and it's been a wonderful learning experience. Dr. Kellerman, after a lifetime in private practice, you stepped up for this county and took a public job. Looking back now, is there anything that you would do differently? Is there anything that you would change if you could go back? I, For me, I, I sometimes speak a little faster than I should and, and let my thoughts get ahead of me. And... I did make a mistake when I talked about the uh, flu epidemic, flu pandemic, a little over 100 years ago about how public health officers would use force um, to implement their mandates. And thankfully, that's all passed. I should not have reflected on something that happened 100 years ago, but it is in the past, and I know it's in the past. And our, our persuasion now is mainly through, um, through more subtle means, I would have to say, through um, kindness and respect and uh, charity toward another person. If you don't want to pass on this virus, what do you have to do um, to not pass on the viruses that you're in close contact with your neighbors and your friends and your family? And from my perspective, it's uh, the way you do that is to, um, as you mask, you get immunized um, and personal hygiene. Other people have different approaches, but I I would imagine sitting around a table and discussing, we all want to uh, support our friends and loved ones and help them as healthy and, and happy as possible. I know that you don't know Dr. Cook personally, but what do you know about her? What do you know of her? I do know that um, she's a woman of integrity and she's very well trained and she has a skill set that will fit very well in this county. I would suggest give her a break. You know, cut her some slack, let her fit into the job, let her learn who you are, let them learn what a fine community that you will be part of. And um, let's put our best foot forward and uh, allow her to, to do the things that she's eminently trained to do. And that's keep her for the long haul. She's an incredibly val valuable asset. And we don't want to waste an asset like that uh, by condemnation and, and vitriol. So let her, have, let her speak her mind, uh, listen to her. Uh, I think that's one thing that we could all do better. Uh, as Claudio, you and I talked before this show came on the air, is you got two ears, one mouth. You know, I think that formula means we need to listen a lot more than we need to speak. So listen to her. And, um, and, and please don't um, 
I talked to my friend Sarah Warner, Dr. Sarah Warner, before the show, and and we were talking, and she had said um, one of the things that you know she tries to say, you cannot have judgment without mercy. So that show a little mercy. This county has a sizable group of people who are against mask mandates, who are suspicious of the vaccine. If you could speak to them, what would you say? Is there anything that can be said, or or have you given up on reaching people like that? Yeah, Claudia, it's a good question. It's not all about the virus. I mean, we got a virus, and it is problematic, and it is killing people, and we have long COVID. I understand all that. But how do we collaborate? It's a common enemy. Knows no boundaries, knows no political persuasion. Tax us all, even attacks people that have been vaccinated, sadly. Good news is they don't get us sick. But how do we come together as a county? And I would really encourage this county to pull together. And if you want an issue to support, then let's see how we can uh, take care of this virus. And, oh, by the way, at least we keep blinders on. There's a lot of other problems afflicting this county. There's a problem, diseases of despair, there's homelessness, addiction, there's depression. And sadly, with the cacophony of the sound of COVID, those those conditions have been not at our forefront. And I would hope what we learn through this pandemic and how we work together, then we can go ahead and tackle some of the other issues that are a plague on us. And and I think I think we've been given a great opportunity here with this pandemic. You hate to say you, you don't want to waste a pandemic, but we've given a great opportunity for us to work together and to collaborate. And please don't waste it. And hopefully what we see is the collaboration that uh, we've engendered through this, that we can go on and take, take on these other diseases that, that need to be addressed. You mentioned the flu pandemic of 1918, a pandemic that eventually subsided. I, I don't see a crystal ball anywhere near you, but I want to ask, how do you think this is going to play out? Do you think that we're just going to have to live with it for the rest of our lives, perhaps with a yearly jab? Or... Do you think that the virus will eventually mutate to the point where it no longer kills people? What are your thoughts? Well, I think that, um, another great question. I think there'll always be a position for a public health officer, whether it's um, COVID-related or some other problem. I mean, just in reflection, the reason I'm going to Africa is we're studying uh, viruses over there. We're studying the primates, the bats, the mosquitoes, and the humans to look for novel viruses that may become virulent. And we're doing that at several centers around the world and hopefully to prevent another pandemic. So we don't want to repeat this one. But regarding what's going to happen with COVID-19, um, I think we are, um, I think the trajectory of this illness is it is it will become an endemic problem but not be a, a pandemic crisis where we're just kind of issuing a lot of mandates and everybody wonders what's going to happen the next day. I don't think it's going to be like that. I would imagine it would be equated eventually. If a virus does like most viruses do, that they're not supposed to kill you. I mean, it doesn't serve the virus well. I mean, the virus never really thought it through, I'm sure. But what what they want to do is make you mildly sick and be able to pass it on. And that's the way I think this virus is going to eventually transition to more like the flu. And for ones that 
or have more, you know, uh, less immunocompensy will be harder on them. And I would imagine we'll be getting a booster like the flu, flu shot every year. That's what I imagine. I don't know what's going to happen with masking. Um, I keep getting asked that, um, but I don't know. It may be, I think this um, coronaviruses are ubiquitous in our society. Uh, about 15% of all the common colds are due to uh, coronavirus. And the uh, Omicron virus has adapted some of the characteristics of common colds, some of the genetic mutations of, um, um, of a coronavirus that uh, causes the common cold. But it will be, I think it will be endemic and we'll have to live with it, but it doesn't mean we will be overcome with it. And I think the greatest enemy that um, COVID-19 has is fear. And I think we ought to respect it, but not have fear. And the way we overcome it is through collaboration. Finally, Dr. Kellerman, the last time I interviewed you, I gave you the opportunity to speak directly to the audience. And I'd like to give you that opportunity again. Thanks. This has been an interesting learning curve for me the last year. Uh, personally, it's been a stretch. Um, you know, I've had to do some soul work. Um, I don't take criticism very well. And, and how do you internalize it without, um, without it hardening your soul? I don't want to become kind of a chitinous kind of soul, which, um, which, you know, can't, can't, can open up to the needs of others. Uh, so it's been challenging. Professionally, it's been challenging. Um, I've been stretched in ways I never thought I'd, I'd be stretched. Um, but I guess the upshot is I have an incredible sense of gratitude to having been given this year. It's been wonderful. Um, there's a statement by Schweitzer that um, if I can recall it, it says, um, in the life of every human being, our, um, our internal fire becomes dim, and then it bursts into flames from an encounter from another individual. Um, and it says, we should have gratitude for those who have kept the inner flame ablaze. And I'm so grateful for the people, Board of Supervisors, the people I've worked with, physicians in the community, who've come alongside and, and shouldered the load in an incredibly difficult time. So, I'm grateful. Dr. Kellerman, I am very grateful for your work and also for how available and open you've been with us here at KVMR and all of our local media outlets. So, Thanks for speaking with me, and, and thank you for everything you've done for our community. Thanks, Claudio.